Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 90. Today I'll be talking about the 2010 triple Halloween murders of Bill and Susan Lisk and Derek Griffin. My sources for today's episode are Coffee House Crime on YouTube, The Murder with My Husband podcast, Oxygen, CBSNews.com, ThriceCursePod.com, and PortClintonNewsHerald.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Today's case takes place in Oak Harbor, Ohio. The Lisk family lived on a long stretch of road. In the home was William, or Bill, his wife Susan, Susan's two sons from a previous marriage, Devin and Derek, and William Jr., or BJ, was Bill's son from a previous marriage. BJ started not to live with the rest of the family and was very troubled. The Lisks were very religious and went to church every week. Devin and Derek were also members of the church choir. One of their favorite activities, though, was hunting. They lived on a large piece of land and would often use it to hunt. BJ was not a nice person. He was a bully and caused problems for his family. His family thought he would just grow out of it, but he continued to get in trouble and soon even with the police. When BJ was 15, his father met Susan. They worked at the same company with Susan being an office manager. Bill and Susan married in 2001 and the marriage really upset BJ. BJ had threatened to kill himself and even had made a 911 call. In 2004, BJ was arrested for assaulting Susan. He had hit her in the chest really hard. Susan was terrified of him. He had also smashed a coffee cup over her head. Susan pressed charges, but BJ was deemed unfit to stand trial. He was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. His father, Bill, placed him in a home for mental, mental health patients. BJ continued to get in trouble and even fought his own dad. After being treated, BJ returned to the home, but he wasn't getting any better. In the fall of 2004, BJ was 18, and he attacked Susan when she was in the shower. She was able to defend herself, but BJ was kicked out of the house and lived on the streets. BJ also didn't get along with Derek and Devin. BJ was deemed a danger to himself and others while he was being treated. BJ was hospitalized in 2007 to be under watch for his disorder. Bill loved his son despite everything and had filed for legal guardianship. The form said that Bill wanted to get help for BJ. Bill wrote that BJ is okay when he's on medication, but when he stops taking it, BJ will drink and smoke weed. BJ was also suspected of killing and torturing the family pets and wildlife. Bill tried to have one-on-one hunting trips to their cabin with BJ, but things were getting worse. On Sunday, October 31st, 2010, or Halloween Day, Around 9.30 a.m., Devin, who was 16, arrived back at his house. He had slept over at his father's house. Devin went to his room to change for church, and Devin ran right into BJ, who was not allowed alone in the house. BJ had asked Devin where he was going and how long he'd be. BJ was talkative and happy, which was unusual for the usual moody person that he was. Devin went home after church. The church service was described as very long that day. The house was very quiet and BJ wasn't there. Devin went upstairs to play video games and a few hours later he went downstairs. He realized the house was still quiet. He went to his parents' room and noticed that his parents were still in bed. He saw Susan's foot sticking out of the blanket. The duvet was pulled up over their heads. Devin called out for his mom and poked her, but there was no response. He pulled the blanket down and saw blood. Susan's pillow was soaked in blood. Devin's first thought was that it was a Halloween prank, but there was absolutely no movement. 
Devin ran downstairs and out of the house. He called his aunt, Lori. Lori called 911 and went to the house to comfort Devin. Need ambulance again. The sheriff is so up, please. Where's the blood? It's on the bed. In their house? In their bed? It's in her bed. Okay. Oh, my God! Lori? I don't know. Bill's in the bed. He's dead. He's got to be dead. Okay. When the police arrived, they found the bodies of Bill and Susan. Bill had been shot five times in the face and Susan three times in the head. She had been assaulted and posed after her death. The police also found the body of Derek Griffin, who was 23. He was found dead in his bed. He had died from blunt force trauma to the head. A claw hammer was found that matched Derek's injuries. Muddy footprints were found in the house, and they led to a pond in the backyard. The police believed maybe the gun was in the pond, but there was nothing found. When the police canvassed the area, they learned from the neighbors that they had heard gunshots around 6 a.m. on October 31st. Devin had walked into the house not knowing his family was already dead. On the 911 call, Lori had mentioned BJ's name. Lori had said that they had a lot of issues with BJ and that he had been in the home last night. Lori said that the family's F... Ford F-150 was also missing from the scene. The police needed to find BJ very fast. They learned that the Lisks had a cabin in Carroll County about 175 miles away. A surveillance video had captured BJ at a subway buying a sandwich. BJ was eventually found by the police. He was arrested and originally charged with one count of murder. The police asked BJ to remove his clothing when he was taken to his holding cell, but instead of complying, he punched an officer in the face. In November 2010, BJ was charged with six counts of murder. He pled not guilty and was held in jail on a bond of $3 million. At his pretrial hearing, BJ changed his plea and pled guilty to three counts of murder and was sentenced to three life sentences. He apologized, blaming his mental illness and on Satan. In March 2015, BJ was found dead in his prison cell by a self-inflicted wound. Bill never, Bill never gave up on his son and tried to be the mediator, but instead BJ took the lives of Bill, Susan, and Derek. Luckily, Devin wasn't in the house that day because he probably would have been killed too. My book recommendation for this week is Local Missing Girl by J.A. Baker. Summary, Missing Without a Trace. When local woman Deborah goes missing, her colleagues Adrian, Yvonne, and Merrill are all left in shock. Gossip around the office begins to swirl what could have happened to Deborah, is she dead or alive, and who could be responsible for her disappearance. Everyone is terrified that they could be next, except the one person who has all the answers, the last person people expect. Because Deborah is being held captive by a monster, a psychopath, but not a stranger. It's someone she knows all too well. I always like when a book goes back and forth between the past and present. It was easy to understand the characters and why Deborah could have gone missing. At first, it seemed like Deborah was maybe targeted by someone who's done this before, but we'll soon find out that Deborah was targeted by someone she knew very well. This book did a good job of making me think both ways, and I give it an 8 out of 10. I'd love to know what you think about this case. I'm sorry that there wasn't more information, but please leave me an email or comment on my Instagram. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeoclocksomewhere at gmail.com. Buy me a coffee and leave me a five-star rating and review. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.